Welcome to this week's EG Like Sunday Morning. This week, featuring one of my colleagues who couldn't wait to be back, uh, Akanksha Sonny, making it two episodes in a row, and another who is making only her third ever appearance, uh, Julia Cahill. Uh, welcome to you both. How have your weeks been? Pretty good. good thanks, yeah. Jess. Yeah, busy. Been very busy. Uh, Lots that's, happening. That's, that's good. Let's, let's dive straight into it. And, and Julia, I'm going to start with you because it seems seems you've depressed our fearless leader, Sam McClary, a little bit with your big story this week. It's it, It's got her writing about dystopias uh, in her leader, which is never a good thing. So um, what exactly has Landsec had to say about uh, the future of our cities over the next decade? Yeah, this is, yes, I, I feel feel bad about that. It's, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a slightly sort of um, bleak headline to this one because, mm. um, Landsec have released this this report um, based on a lot of, um, of of research on cities, and um, the sort of top line on it is is that um, some of our cities could become unlivable within the next ten years, um, which does sound very very depressing. Um, but um, you know, like all good reports, it comes up with lots of lots of um, good solutions. And yeah. um, you know, if you're tempted to just sort of roll your eyes at yet another um, uh, piece of research, sort of telling us how how um, uh, you know poor our prospects are of addressing climate change and the impacts on our um, on uh, our way of life and particularly on our cities, um, then just hang on for a minute because um, Landsec has. Um, uh, got some very sort of um, proactive ideas about addressing mm -hmm. this and they also um, as part of this research brought in a panel of big thinkers um, to help prioritise um, what what they need to do and what the the, the sector needs to do and um, and what they'd like to see government do more of um, to help um, uh, uh, sort of move us away from the this uh, dystopian sort of future that they've set out. So um, it's the research was carried out with um, Future um, Laboratory, which is a, um, a sort of strategic future thinking sort of consultancy. Um, and uh, then some of the names that they also involved are um, Adam Elman, um, the architect Sadie Morgan, um, who, you know, listeners will know is, um, very involved in in lots of um, different areas of the market, including Homes England and work for London's Mayor. Um, and Stephanie Edwards of Urban Symbiotics is also among among this this group of big thinkers that they brought in to really sort of help them prioritise um, their sort of strategy going forwards. Um, and so it, it sort of it sets out in a, in a nutshell. It sets out sort of four scenarios. Um, ranging sort of from the worst case of this dystopian future where nature is mm. depleted in our cities, life is very difficult and exhausting, the divisions between rich and poor are wider and um, uh, you know, the developers haven't taken heed of the sort of, um, environmental impact of their buildings and, um, you know, just the, the, the sort of, you know, the, the kind of do nothing scenario. Mm -hmm. um, and then it takes you right through to... Um, you know the best the best case scenario <laughs> um uh, where you know nature is protected and 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 really valued but in between those there are two there there's a probable scenario and then a sort of possible one uh, you know if we really sort of 
um, pushed all of us to do to do more and do better and live differently. Um, and then it sort of works in um, six principles of urbanisation um, to help us sort of make that probable future more realistic and perhaps grasp at the at the possible future um, as well. Um, so obviously the the top one among those is um, is is to be climate prepared mm. and then uh, uh, resilience to change and external shocks and then sort of focusing on making um, our cities desirable places to live um so those those are the sort of top three and you can find the full reports of um linked um in in our story online um for more on this but um i think what really came across um to me though um talking to lansec and chatted to mike hood who sort of heads up the regeneration division he's the former md of you and i of course and um i think what really came across was how sort of core lansec sees all of this to their strategy this isn't just a sort of add-on um to keep um you know the ESG um, side of things ticking along. This is absolutely core to what they're doing. You can see it in Mayfield in Manchester and their their huge project there. And you know he said that without if if they don't do this, you know they are they're they're sort of um, at risk of of damaging shareholder value and the, the wider value of of what they're doing to to um, uh, to communities. So you know they want to create places that are good and desirable to live in and um you know so they, they see that as absolutely vital to to the future of their business and and you know to the to the communities that they're creating um and mark allen is very sort of firmly um leading this and um you know he really thinks that we're at a crossroads when it comes to the future of our cities so yeah it's good stuff i would really recommend reading the report it's it's um it's full of useful stuff and case studies, so it's it's very practical, not just doom. <laughs> with with the talk of possible futures and probable futures uh, in your piece, and it, it, it's probably just my personal interest that are making me think of this, but it's, 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 it all sounds a little bit multiversal. It's like a bit of a branching moment where we can go off in different directions. And um, as it happens in in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, they do visit a reality where greenery is fully integrated into the city and into the buildings and and everywhere. So there is a uh, there is a possibility in the multiverse that maybe we will get to that best case scenario. Uh, we so, could get there, yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, and, and I know I, I I painted Sam as having written about dystopian futures, but she, she the the accent is very much on uh, calling for the industry to. Uh, to do what it can to, to reach mm. that that best case scenario and um akanksha to, to bring you bring you in at this point um yeah. i imagine as a resi reporter uh unlivable cities would be rather bad for business for you absolutely yeah things can get from bad to worse <laughs> with uh <laughs> how the world has been post mini yeah. budget um i'm sure our listeners have felt the effects themselves um <laughs> but my piece <laughs> in this week's mag was about how a lot of Brazil sites that acquired planning um, but didn't start development because of funding issues or um, just not the unavailability uh, of construction firms or partners falling through or companies going bankrupt with all the financial mm. issues. Um, there are around 300 home sites across the UK that are being sold in receivership currently, which is just 
the evaluation of uh, Jonathan Van der Mullen. So mm-hmm. there could be millions out there um, for all we know. Um, one of the most prominent ones is the Wheat Quarter in Welvin Garden City. Uh, mm-hmm. It was put up for sale with CBRE receivers. Um, by The receivers were appointed by Octopus Investments, um, sorry, Octopus Real Estate. So mm-hmm. the site is actually a really great 800-home site uh, with 114 late living um, homes designated. And Octopus has also invested, um, appointed RSM UK receivers on a Bigglesbade site, which is 1,500 homes. So, um, yeah. A lot of issues in the uh, industry currently. Residential is really seeing the struggle. Mm. I like I like your, your your headline phrasing it of the as the inflation triple whammy. <laughs> yes, industry experts kind of believe that the main reasons um, causing this trend is inflation in cost mm. uh, in terms of cost of inputs and lack of skilled trades necessary to do the build and um, the attitude of customers to the acceptance of the cost overruns and the cost of delays in, in contract completion and the penalties that you know, development sites that are not developing at the rate that they should are mm. accruing. So, yeah. And you've also been writing about the possibility of, of more new homes at Alliance Insurance's Guildford <laughs> HQ? Yes, uh, Alliance. Um, I. I think I spoke to someone about this yesterday and it's um, pronounced Aliens. Aliens, okay. Aliens. Yeah. Okay. I hope I'm saying that right, but something along those lines. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're selling their Guildford um, HQ and it has a planning application currently under appeals. It was rejected on mm. um, due to flood risks because the site is located right next to the riverway. Um, and the planning application was for 108 homes, uh, but the site also has the capability of being converted to PBSAs or mm. just another office development or BTR. Um, even retail warehouses are industrial. It's a pretty great site. Um, JLL has been appointed to seek offers for over 15 million. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically right now, Elions is looking to keep <laughs> occupying that site. <laughs> uh, keep occupying that site after the sale. So for 15 months, they're going to be occupying um, 57 Lady Head, Lady Mead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're looking to start looking for a new HQ, which JLL has also been appointed for. Okay, apologies, Alliance, uh, for my earlier pr- mispronunciation. If you're listening, please don't write in. Um, and what else have you been writing about this week, Akansha? Oh, well, there's a really great site in Kensington that is up for sale, Haythrop College. Um, uh, so I, th- I know it by reputation, as it happens, Akansha. So <laughs> I, I read your story with interest because two of my very best friends uh, found love uh, while studying at Haythrop <laughs> College. So I was able to pass on your, your story to them. So, yeah, what, what's going to become of Haythrop College? Well, hopefully your friends will be able to occupy it once more because it might be turned into a later living scheme in a couple of years. Um, <laughs> well, they've got a, they've got a few yeah, decades it, to go, but uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely one one worth thinking about. Um, so yeah, the site currently has a planning application to be converted into a later living scheme of um, 750 million GDV. 
and it can provide 142 homes. Um, but it can also be turned into private for sale residential hotel. Be, it can stay as an educational institute or even healthcare. It's a really great location. It's right next to Kensington Gardens and the High Street. Cool. It sounds like, as with as with the previous scheme, uh, we've talked about this before, but flexibility does seem to be the sort of the order of the day, doesn't it? People keeping their options open as to what type of development could come forward on sites like these. Definitely, yeah, because um, the requirements of each and every location really depends on what everyone around there wants. Planning mm. portals, uh, planning offices can be really re uh, reliant on that as well. So it's best to keep your options open and keep yeah yep uh and julia I, I know you're not quite so focused on the auctions world uh, as as you once were but I'm, I'm sure you you still have your finger firmly on the pulse and what, what's been what's been going on in that area this week well there yeah there has been um some some uh interesting movement on uh going back to the ballroom so mm -hmm. um as you'll you'll know um you know auctions had to um you know uh, go online pretty much overnight um at the onset of the pandemic in mm -hmm. order to keep that market going and a few have have been back there have been some um in room auctions um but i guess everyone's been waiting to see what allsop the market leader would do and uh, allsop residential um will be holding their 30th of march auction um at um the barclay hotel in knightsbridge Very so exciting. this is a, a yeah a nice exclusive for us on thursday um and um uh, yeah, they're pretty excited, and I know that their clients are extremely excited about this. You know, the clamour for, for doing this has been um, rising um, pretty much from I think about six months into the pandemic, because initially everyone was very, you know, enthused and gosh, yeah, we, you know, why, what were we doing going to in-room auctions for all those years? You know, this is so easy; we can do this from our um, from our homes. And um, anyway, that that I think that sort of shine wore off for for lots of people. Mm -hmm. Um, although I should say that, you know, online auctions have been hugely successful. The numbers have just been um, phenomenal. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, particularly on the resi side, um, have really missed being in the room. And it's, you know, it's just that chance to read the market um, and, you know, chat to, to buyers, whether they're, um, you know, successful on the day or not. And, and just to see um how how your sort of peers are feeling how the buyers are feeling um and for the auctioneers themselves it's you know it's really just so useful and and i guess the timing of this is interesting because there's so much uncertainty um about pricing and we're going into that market where mm. that 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 uncertainty is you know is a key characteristic and so being in the room um you know now is is just going to be I think going to be so useful. So it'll be really interesting to watch um, what the turnout is and and how it goes. I mean, some vendors sort of feel like you get a better price in the room. That's really, you know, as as Richard Adamson points out in our in our piece, you know, that's that's nigh on impossible to to sort of prove. Um, mm. But um, you know, the the value of being able to um, sort of read the room, as they say, is you know, 
is 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 huge so it's gonna it's it's an exciting one and we have to see how others react as well um to to this news that i should say that the commercial side of their business has no sort of firm plans at the moment to go back into the room and perhaps that's you know hints at a sort of bit of a difference between resident and mm-hmm. commercial that on the residential side it is a bit more it can be a bit more of a sort of emotional decision a purchase you know so perhaps perhaps it's more important for the resi side to get back into the room and perhaps commercial will continue to sort of grow and grow online so um yeah we'll have to wait and see what happens on that but a, a return to the room will no doubt be uh, exciting news for the makers of homes under the hammer who i imagine must have been yes. struggling <laughs> struggling for good footage in the last struggling for years. content yeah <laughs> yeah yes yeah they've they haven't um yeah had much opportunity um <laughs> so right. yeah there have been a few right. barnard marcus has been back um bond mm-hmm. wolf has had has had an in-room um but yeah there haven't been too many um going on so this 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 will be big um and yeah we'll have to wait and see what the catalogue looks like that's obviously they're only putting their february catalogue together now but already that one um which will be online um is is um already their biggest since december 2020 280 lots listed already and yeah so um yeah it's gonna i think i think it'll be a busy old busy old time for them coming up Okay, and we'll maybe hear more from you about all that uh, a bit later in the year. So, um, yeah, we I'm going to try and get along to it. I think <laughs> it'd be good, interesting. Good. <laughs> I hope they roll out the red carpet as they should. <laughs> um, shall we round up the rest of the week's news with a little bit of a quiz? Yeah, yeah. I, I can hear the excitement. In... <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Akansha is on a bit of a hot streak. So, I'll let Julia decide whether to go first or second. <laughs> oh, it's like torture. Um... Yeah. Okay. I'll I, I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Always the it's always the always the bravest decision. So, Julia, question one: The okay. Crown Estate is suing which social media giant over rent arrears on its London headquarters? Oh yes, this is such a good story. It's Twitter, isn't it? It is Twitter. Twitter absolutely. Street. Yeah. Uh, it's bound to to bound to yield plenty of interesting stories as that that dispute uh, develops. I'm yes. sure. Okay. Yeah. Akansha. Two former partners at Harris Associates have set up their own firm named after what New Zealand reptile? It's the Tuatara. It is the Tuatara, and I'm, I'm very glad to be relying on you for pronunciation once again. Uh, it <laughs> is, uh, this is Simon Perlmutter and Dan Cohen's Tuatara Real Estate. OK, now we have uh, a missing word uh, headline round. So, Julia, can you fill in the blank in this headline? London office market blanks expectations. London office market blanks expectations. Oh, yeah. Does it exceed? It is exceeds. Yes. Uh, This is uh, Shante with some good news that uh, central London office market take out, uh, take up somehow, somehow just keeps on ticking despite all else uh, collapsing around it. Uh, It just keeps on going. Uh, So more of that hopefully, uh, in the rest of 2023. Um, Akansha, uh, Knight Frank forms blank with Bercadia. Knight Frank forms blank with Bercadia. Do you know the blank? Alliance. It is Alliance, and it is Alliance, yep. not Alliance or any, or uh, it is it is firmly Alliance. 
Uh, it's allying with the US-based agency for reasons that uh, the wonderful Tim Burke uh, explains uh, in, in a piece in the magazine and online. So read all about that. OK, so it's going down to the diary questions. Um, so, Julia, according to cutting-edge research from Malta, what animals do not like modern architecture? <laughs> um, I might have to have a wild stab in the dark for that Go one. Go for it. Um, what animals don't like modern architecture? Oh, God, it's <laughs> got to be cats or dogs, hasn't it? Or birds, maybe. Um, oh, birds. <laughs> or monkeys. Ooh, no, is it can you, can, you be more, can you be more specific than birds? Birds. Um, seagulls. Oh, so close. Akanksha, would you have known the answer? It's pigeons. It is pigeons. pigeons. It is oh, pigeons. God. But you were so spectacularly close. Uh, so I'll give you a half mark. Uh, so, but can Akanksha keep a remarkable streak going? She hasn't got a question wrong in I don't know how long. Uh, Akanksha, sticking to the animal theme, what other reptile did the folks at Tuatara intend to name their business after until they discovered a firm of that name already registered at Company's House? They were going to name it Chameleon. They were going to name it Chameleon. Yeah. Wow. And then they felt to name it Chameleon with a K, and then they landed on Tuatara. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but it was worth it in the end. Uh, it for was. a wonderful name. Uh, I, there's just no stopping her, can't she? She knows everything <laughs> about the news. Amazing. Amazing. Truly <laughs> remarkable. I'm going to have to start getting her to set the questions for the quiz rather than answer them. She's just unbeatable. I'll make it next time you're on a can't she? I'm going to make it doubly hard. So watch out, watch yeah. out whoever is, is on that episode. Uh, so, you know, it might, who knows, there's so much going on in Resi. It could be next week. It could be the week after. It will be soon, I'm sure. Uh, and we will, we will finally find a question that Akanksha can't answer at some point in 2023, uh, which is just one more reason uh, for those of you at home to carry on listening to EG Like Sunday Morning.